episode 37 of Blethered. I'm Sean McDonald and my guest is DF Concerts promoter Craig Johnston. Craig is in his dream job but he took a very roundabout way of getting there which is what this episode is all about. He tells a story about how he didn't do too well at school, he left early, he worked in jobs he didn't like, he even went to Tenerife for a while while he decided what he was going to do in the future. Now, if you've ever felt lost in life or worried about the uncertainty of what's coming next, this is probably a good conversation to listen in on because that's what we talk about. We've all been there, we've all thought we're the only one, whether it's worrying about what you're good at, what do you offer the world, will you do as well as everybody else, will you be happy, all that stuff. They're normal things to worry about, and we all do at some stage, but the aim of life isn't really to be hitting certain milestones that society decides upon. They change every month for a start, so fuck that. It's up to you to decide what your life is all about and what it means and what you're going to do. Unfortunately, we don't have the answers to what the aim of life is, but you might enjoy listening to two people talking about things you've quite likely experienced yourself. As always, the conversation is continuing over on FlickChat. You can find the link for it in the episode notes if you want to join and download the app. Listeners of Blethered are chatting about loads of stuff from things discussed on the podcast to audiobook recommendations and everything else in between if you enjoy this episode feel free to share it it always helps hope you enjoy so as explained in the intro I'm joined by DF Concerts is that what you call them? DF uh, Concerts promoter D, D, D for Dance F for Factory is it I? that's what it stands for now. I always wondered that I don't know what I thought it stood for well, there you go, there's your another boring uh, start to an episode. We now know what DF Concert stands for. Do you want to, I'll let you tell our lovely listeners where we're recording from. We're recording from the dressing room in King Tut's, uh, where Oasis signed a record deal. We're not a bit sick of talking about Oasis and King Tut's, we love the history and ah, stuff. Like but that association. But as you've seen, there's plenty of other acts that have came through and played. And I mean, unbelievable. Uh, like, look, look, hold on. For anybody who doesn't know King Tut's, if you're fair with Glasgow, you know I'm a very big music fan. It's it's like a rite of passage, in it, for, for music acts to play, so... Yeah. I'll read some of the ones. 2018, uh, Sam Fender, The Killers. That is mental, The Killers are playing in here at this time. They came and done it after the headline transmit. That's unbelievable. Happened at midnight. The Killers, Snow Patrol, uh, Lewis Capaldi, Tom Walker, Liam Gallagher... Uh, this in 2017 Rag and Bone Man Father Son Cortinas Years and Years Leon Bridges George Ezra Will Farris Alice Jerry Cinnamon Paolo Mattini we can go on and on and on and then when you go back Natalie and Bruglia Damien Rice The Libertines Jason Mraz Kasabian fuck it it's just Oasis like everybody's played here so it's a it's a focal point of music yeah. and you've ended up within the centre within the confines of this company and this this place. Aye. But what we want to talk about to begin with <laughs> is how you ended up here because it was you you got in touch. So I'll let you explain it. You got in touch with me and why you wanted us to have this conversation. Aye, I, I've been a fan for a while. I love the podcast. I think what you do is an incredible thing. There's a lot of people out there that 
obviously influencers and stuff who get into kids' brains and do things the wrong way, whereas I think you speak to them about real stuff and mm. give them tools that they need to survive in life. I never paid them to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I thought my story could maybe help you, and I didn't know what to send big-headed or anything, so I emailed you and I was like, by the way... And I was totally up for it. I was asked to leave slash chucked out of school at the end of fourth year with no qualifications, absolutely nothing. And now I do my dream job. Mm-hmm. And I just, not I mean, inspirational or anything like that, but letting the kids out there know that it's not the be all and end all. It's Aye. like you, you can pave your own path. Aye, I mean, I, I, I used to say that as well. Um, and I can't, I'm now quite careful to say that qualifications are a great thing. 100%. And they can open a lot of doors. But you can be intelligent and apply yourself without necessarily being academic or studious. Uh, so, as, as you said there, it's not the, the be-all and end-all. Um, so talk to me. What were you like at school? If you spoke to anybody who I went to school with, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't they be like, no, Craig was sound, he was alright. I was just a bit of a class clown. Mm-hmm. I'd ask loads of questions. I, I, was, I thought I was being funny. Uh, I was on behaviour cards for a bit. My mum was always getting fun to come in. What I, bo- I get one, I get what I boot up the arse I got, man. Aye, like, my mum was always at the school. But my guidance teacher was my PE teacher, and he's also my grand's next-door neighbour. Mm-hmm. And my mum fancied him a wee bit. All right. She's told me this, so I'm able to say it. So she kind of enjoyed being... Right, <laughs> she's, 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 she gave you like smarties in the bill before you go to school. <laughs> you need to be there in the shorts and all that. Being like, Jane, there's a problem again. She's like, tell me about it, Dougie, tell me. <laughs> but, uh, I love my mum. I, I, I didn't like the broken home, but I come from a broken home. Mm-hmm. But I know nothing but love. Uh, it was my dad every weekend. Uh, mum and dad were sound with each other. Right. I only ever seen them together when I was in trouble, though. That was the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. after parents' evenings and all that. Um, where I grew up in Alawan, uh, Saki, it's uh, it's a rough place. It's it's uh, but there's, there's great. It's, it's it's an amazing community. It's like growing up in Shameless. Right. Okay. Like, but the most mental things happened. Like, I'm for a wee scheme in Saki called uh, Craigview. Right. But I was for one of the houses. So there's flats, but I was in one of the houses. And my pals, like my pal Johnny, uh, Wombat and Goon, they're still my pals today. Like, they're salt of the earth guys, they're brilliant. But I can remember, I had to check the date, I'd googled it before I came, it was 1995. I remember going to my pal's house one day to see if he was coming to play, and there was an armed copper there. And he was like, you here to see? And I was like, oh Chris, and flat such and such, and he was like, oh he's at his grand's. And I was like, aye, no worries, and went to his grand's house, and... It transpired that in those flats where we played football, we used to batter a ball against like the bit before the bins was like your wee storage, like uh-huh. a shed. But in the flat, we used to play football in there. The IRA were uh, storing Semtex in there. Fucking hell! Like it was mental where I lived. What the hell? <laughs> there was a there was a story, and it's probably these urban legends that everyone's got. That there was a guy. <clears throat> I knew him whether the story is true or not Sandy he was trying to sell he was trying to get rid of his fridge freezer so he put it in his back garden but that was of his front door with a letter on it saying 
free fridge freezer, then he wants to take it away, full working order. And it sat there for two weeks and his wife was doing his nut. And he was in the pub one day saying, this is doing my nut and I can't get it shifted. And the boy in the pub was like, I'll sort it for you. That night they put a note on it saying, fridge freezer, 100 quid, full working order. It got stolen that night. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but that sums up what Alawa and that uh, was like. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like normality. Aye. Aye, aye there's no, there's no sort of that, alien nature to that. Aye, that's what I knew. Like, there's, like as I was saying earlier, there's, there's stories I tell that I'm laughing when I'm telling them. Uh-huh. And there's folk going, that, that's, that's mental. Was that like a sort of widespread thing? See, we were saying that you weren't too much into school and that. Was it. Or am I just having a pure reach here? Like, what was was that specifically you, or was that just everybody? I, I like everybody, it, but a lot. Of no, there were those folk who, like, there was one guy at our school that passed all his exams and all that, and I was convinced at that time he was going to be prime minister. I was like, this boy's clever, man. Uh, right. Can't remember his name, but I'd Google him and see what he's actually doing there. But uh, he'd come to school with a briefcase and all that. Like, he was the guy in between us. Like, he was right. a briefcase boy. That's funny. That it's like when you're in that mindset and you see somebody who just generally. Does their, does their school work and passes and exams like, well, you're going to be Prime Minister it's like seeing somebody eating a tin of cat food and you're like, wow, he's eating that with a fork he must have some manners <laughs> so I so so you you were did the school just come and say, get to her? I, I wasn't, I, I think I got a two in my higher music right. a three in my physics and fours for everything else mm-hmm. uh, no, it was fives for everything else I was nay hires, like nothing so, well, no standard grades, so I couldn't do any hires. Right, aye. And this guidance teacher who knew me was like, you're not doing any hires, so you know what's going to happen. And I'm like, I'll get bored and I'll get unruly, because they would always tell me I was intelligent, but I'd never believed it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh. still to this day, I can't do my times tables. Like, I've, I've no idea. I, I was I could do two, ten, five, maybe, right? But that's it. Aye. Like, I'm rubbish at that. So I didn't, I didn't ever believe... Uh, so like, you'll get unruly you'll put folk off their work so you're out mm-hmm. um, did they just actually tell you you're leaving aye it was like that's a bit of a shocker isn't it aye without any way because I feel like maybe times have moved on and times are better and also it's, I suppose it goes school by school and person by person but often we try and just categorise people and it's with that intent and categorising people of well you're this type of clever or you're good for your hands or you're just You've got no chance. Aye. We've obviously all got different forms of intelligence. Fuck uh, for years I thought I was doing this despite him. Uh-huh. But I now I realise that he knew me. He he knew I was sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And he was chucking me in the deep end for a reason. And yeah. to this day I think he knew I was going to do alright. because He's done of, you a favour. Like I, I was 15 so I, technically I couldn't have left like, education. Aye. So I went into college and done electronic engineering. Like all my family were all tradesmen and stuff like that and he aye. knew them so he knew that well, you should be a aye, aye. <laughs> you should do this someone who was born in the same family who does this thing aye. therefore you should also do that and that will bring you a lifetime of happiness aye. Aye. so I went there for a year and uh, I was rubbish but I hated it because it was all maths it's electronics like it's all aye, equations and I just you seem like me I'm an expressive uh, emotional brain and I know people who can be that and also then analytical, logical in terms of maths and physics I know people that have got both and I'm like hey, good on you you're lucky bastard I can right? work things out now I can be like oh that's that and that's that I couldn't tell you the answer 
Uh-huh. I can do the maths. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that times that will, will equal this. Uh-huh. That's the equation. Can you tell me the answer? Is absolutely no, no uh-huh. idea. No, so you, you stuck. How long did you stick at electrical engineering? I was there for a, a year, maybe a year and a half. And during that time, I had a girlfriend still at the school, and it wasn't weird to that. Like we're the same age. In my college class, we finished a half day on a Friday, so I'd walk to the the school, have lunch with her hang out in RE because my RE teacher was the best teacher I ever had really just like you stay in I remember one time I got like full marks in a test about Buddhism when I was still at school and I was like how is this and she I realised that she answered my questions uh, see I'm yeah. a daft question she'd just be like oh that's this see that's so you're just an inquisitive mind who you're asking for stuff and you want information and teachers uh, are maybe seeing that you know, as you just being annoying, being a nurse. Aye, aye. aye. Mate, if you don't fucking like, can't ask you questions. Don't be a teacher. Totally. So she was sound. She'd let me sit the last two periods, hand it jotters for her, and all that. Imagine like you walked in somebody and you're like, <laughs> some comes out, some, somebody comes in and goes, hey, "Can I get Italian and You're like, "For fuck's sake!" <laughs> <laughs> right? What do you want? Let's <laughs> like that's, that's your taxi job. Drivers. Taxi drivers. Aye, that's your bloody <laughs> job, mate. Like, get it done. <laughs> so I lasted about a, a year there. And then I went to Falkirk College. Uh, my dad was in a band. My, da- my, my dad, I'm going to skip about your timelines, right? It's like no, it's like something like Pulp Fiction. But um, my dad was in a band for years, and I remember like being as a kid going to photo shoots with him. Right. Going to, like he had me from all at the weekend, so he'd have to take me to sound checks, <laughs> and then take me up the road, <laughs> and then <laughs> going back for the gig and stuff. So that was like kind of endless memories. So. I had a love of music for a kid. My first ever gig was Michael Jackson at Glasgow Green. No way. Which is still alright, it still sounds good in a just. Yeah, slam the brakes, right? <laughs> You're telling me Mick Jackson played at Glasgow Green. How did, how did I never know this? I was 94. I cannot believe that. 95, and I, mean, I was 9 or 10 at the time. I was a good looking kid. Like, now you're almost in there. <laughs> like, that's when you kind of question my mother's mothering skills there. Right, I can't believe that, that he played at Glasgow Green. I, I don't know how I never knew that. Right. I went to see Bon Jovi at Ibrox. Like, I just had this love of music, and mm-hmm. my dad kind of shaped me. Like, He was a surveyor as well, so he'd go to Saudi Arabia and survey the oil fields and come back with like, suitcases, uh, bootleg tapes. So right. I had like the police, Bon Jovi, wow. the Stones. So you were just quite a wide music taste. Aye, hello. Because I have as well, I get slagged for it, but I don't We, we have the same taste in music, by the way. Aye, really? Aye, aye, aye 100%. Aye. My favourite gig last year was Boyzone, met my mum it was amazing. Oh, I've been brilliant. Right. I saw my slice at Idol, they were absolutely class, man. Amazing. Apart from the bands I promote, obviously, because that was the. They are the number ones. Uh, there was the one I went to that wasn't working, that was the, my favourite. But um, so I went to Falkirk College and done sound and audio production right and it was the wildest the wildest year I was there for two and a half years but it was the wildest time I've ever had in my life like when things happened in that place that you just if they found out about it mm-hmm. I, I, like would you get to jail? no I wouldn't get to jail but somebody, somebody there would I think like there's somebody would be reported <laughs> there was a, a smoking room actually inside the college right that's what I know <laughs> like number so one pre-2006 but just like but I really 2001 2002 right and it's so mental having a smoking room inside a college I know but we were 
non the main building at Falkirk College, of course, because we're, we're music, we're away at the back, Aye. next to the brickies. So these guys would come in, and we would just get stoned in the smoking room all day. Some of us would go to lectures sometimes and come out and, like, it was wild. But I, and this smoking room was inside the college. Like, do you remember they, they used to have a smoking area inside Glasgow Airport next to the baggage carousel and like people would go into this wee, like this wee enclosure? I always thought that was pure mental as well. Uh, it's, the, it's the restaurant thing that bamboozles me. Remember, it used to be like smoking and noise smoking. It was just this wee rope. I know. Oh, you know, <laughs> that rope has got to protect me from like, okay, oh, magic. You <laughs> can never smoke in that side of the rope. I know. Absolutely no way. If you're going to smoke, then make sure you're like up in just five yards away, please. <laughs> That's quite mad, isn't it? I almost forgot about it. So I was doing Falkirk College, and it was good, I enjoyed it. I got into um, sound technology stuff, and I met some great pals there, joined a band, and I, it was good, but it was never a career path. And mm. my family are uh, amazing, they're absolutely brilliant. Like, as much as I grew up in this area that wasn't the nicest, I always knew love, and it always provided for me and always wanted the best for me and I was always pushed what's your career what are you going to do my gran owned a pub in Alawa so I started working in there that when I was 17 uh, I was the only person in Alawa that had two 18th birthday parties and my fake 18th so I could start work in the pub <laughs> <laughs> and then my real 18th so I worked in her pub uh, over the summer when I was 17 got my first full time wage I was like, I'll sack this college off, get this to a full time wage for the first time as a wee guy. Blew my mind. And during that time, I was DJing in pubs and just running one of the bars and all of that. Making good money. Aye. Living my best life. Uh, a few years later, my grand sold that pub to somebody. I was still running it. But then, didn't they like how they were changing it and stuff, so I decided to get out. And plus, Alla was a small town. And you, if you're working in the pubs in Alawa, it's all the old guys all know your business. It's a goldfish bowl. Aye. Just, I never realised at the time, but it was probably mental health-wise, I was a bit like, this isn't it for me. This isn't it. I'd get it on top of me and stuff. So I made a right calling and left. I was unemployed for a month or so and got a job in Prudential. And every single person from Alabar Stirling has at one point worked in Prudential or knows somebody that's worked in Prudential. So for us that don't live uh, out in the sticks, what is Prudential? Prudential Insurance, so it's a huge insurance company. Was it just a call centre? I was in the the filing bit, so it was before, obviously, everyone was online. You need something filed, you just come and give you a shout. I was the guy. (laughs) If you want a file, I brought it to you. Uh, and it was great. How funny like, is that? Imagine trying to explain to like, a 12 year old. Like, if you say to a 12 year old, where would you get this file? They'd be like, I'd probably check a shared drive I, or something. You'd be like, nope, you had to go into an actual totally. door and get it. So, like, part of it was kind of just going into that. So, the building I was in, see if folk would send in, if you're claiming uh, life insurance, to send in a death certificate. Yeah. It would get scanned, I'd file it away, and then when it was getting posted back, the guys at the post would ask for this file and it gives them and post it back and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was getting towards the scanning going on there. <laughs> but still, I was the guy. And it was great for, like, I did it for maybe six months. And because I was the guy handing out files, I got to know everyone, everyone in the office. Uh-huh. So I could go to Tunnel Sterling and I'd know absolutely everybody. Like, weekends were amazing. And I, I got proper into, like, the living for the weekend 
Whereas before that, I was out every night. Yeah. And, and now it was just weekends. So do you think because do you think people in general can sometimes make the mistake like you're having great weekends because you knew know these people and things are popular and it seems fresh? Did that then distract you from a wee bit of mundanity and real life? I was I was in complete denial. I didn't think I worked in Prudential. Uh-huh. I was a bar manager who was looking for another bar to manage. I was just doing that until I found another bar. And I was, I was at the start I'd been looking for bars. I got offered to, there was a big hotel in Dunblane, the Dunblane Hydro. Dunblane Hydro. Uh, I got offered a bar manager's job in there. I was in charge of 65 folk on minimum wage. And I was like, ah, how am I getting minimum wage? And the staff are getting minimum wage. Uh-huh. So I sacked that off, kept to potential. So I was still yeah. looking for stuff. Yeah. The last two or three months I noticed I wasn't. And I just started speaking to folk and I met this guy who was a, a he was like, no, I'm a, I, I didn't actually work here, I'm a lawyer. He's like, I'm a trained lawyer. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for a, a lawyer's job. And I was like, oh, I'm, a, I'm actually a bar manager. <laughs> I didn't work here. Uh, I'm looking for a, a barman's job. And Somebody else like, I'm actually a centre midfielder, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the new club. <laughs> <laughs> Done the ACM. <laughs> <laughs> this other boy was like, oh, I'm a uh, surveyor. And I was like, oh, great, how long have you boys been here? And they were like, oh, five years. And my life just flashed before uh, my eyes. Like, I was just fear. genuinely shat myself. And I was on a, a rolling contract, a temp contract, so they could sack me at any time. Mm-hmm. But I could leave at any time as well. So I just walked into my manager's office one day, and he was a sound big guy, like, he's proper nice. But I walked in, and I was like, I've booked a flight to Tenerife tomorrow. And he was like, oh, hi, when are you coming back? And I was like, I've, I've not booked one back. <sighs> and I flew to Tenerife and worked it there for three nice. months let's talk about that it gives me a buzz because <laughs> like did you have anything set up before you went I, I knew the area we used to go on family holidays in Terry so I knew where it, where stuff is and uh-huh. I knew some folk in bars that had worked there five years previous and they'd been for a few years so I just kind of set myself up as I booked like a week's holiday kind of hotel yeah, in a crappy hotel for myself and I was like if I, I've got a week yeah. If I get something great, if I get work great, if I don't, I'll just come back. Yeah. So I didn't, nah, nothing. Just brilliant. There's there's a few things I'm taking for that, right? The first one is that something a good a, a good a bit of advice or a wee tip for people is it doesn't always have to be in the form of book a flight and go somewhere, but it it has to be take a risk. Aye. If you're not pl- pleased or you're not satisfied with something in life, take some sort of a risk. That sounds very ambiguous and very vague, and you always hear like online motivate and quote unquote <laughs> saying you gotta take risks if you want to be successful. <laughs> well, I think that's a lot of disingenuous, empty shite. There is a, a element of truth to it, and you've went booked that flight, and you're like, you've got. There's no way of guaranteeing success, but you've stepped out there, and also uh, another thing I say is if you're gonna really take that step then burn bridges behind you because it will then motivate you, it will push you or it will force you to make it work. And now you burned your bridge by leaving your job and not having a return flight. So technically you're actually stuck there. In my flat, I gave up my flat. If I was coming back, I was going back to see my my mum. And I love my mum, but you know. (laughs) Aye, so you're you're going back to that. Um, And how did Tenerife go? Did you end up getting work? It was great. Um, I love Tenerife it's a great place I still meet my girlfriend going every every December um, but I think because I've been a bar manager and because I'd employed people I was up against these wee 
18 year olds who'd never had a job in their life because uh-huh. I was walking in with CVs and bam I was like oh, wow aye. you've got a CV aye. <laughs> aye. you don't want to be pouring a pint <laughs> like, wow so I was lucky the first job I got I was terrible um, I was PRing outside and I got paid per person who came in oh. uh, at the end of the day I think I made about 10 euro and I got some bung mm. uh, jibbed it off went down to the strip and started chatting in a few places and, and got a play, got a, a job in a place called Crystal Corners Irish Bar. I think I may have been there. The very top of Starco. So if you know Tenerife at all, you've got Veronica's at the very bottom of the hill. At the very top of the hill on the left-hand side was Crystal Corners Irish Bar. And the guy who ran it was a guy called Billy McCracken. Billy, like, to this day, still is... Uh, we'll go to my, my career later on, but... Billy's the best musician I've ever seen in my life. Really, aye? 100% hands down. I tell him that. Yeah, but Ten- you decided then, so you're in Tenerife and you think, right, I want to go back, you know, I've kind of had my fun and I'm ready to take aye. a wee run at life. I applied for college in Glasgow, doing, the posh name for it was Business Management in the Creative Industries, which was just music business. Right. And it was brilliant. I loved it. Um, during this time as well this, this sounds like something I've proper just angled over but my dad got cancer uh, just before I went to Tenerife I think he got it and he died just after I came back just before I started college my dad was my hero like my absolute hero and I think that was a turning point for me that like the best way to kind of honour him and, mm-hmm. is to do the thing that he wanted me to do and get a career so I think that was the kind of thing that pushed me to actually it's the best way to like, repay Aye. people who are your idols isn't it? it's to totally. do well for yourself I wish you'd seen what I'd like he will mate he Aye, I thought it's one of those ones that I can like there's big gigs my first battle and gig I knew he was there and it's mm-hmm. weird I didn't believe in any of that shit and all that but I, I knew he was there but college then was amazing like uh, see going into a, a classroom and discussing stuff that you care about and we went through the most boring stuff like um, royalty rights contracts it's interesting kind of if you're interested in the subject totally and the lecturers there are brilliant like there was Alan Rankin who he was in the, the associates in the 80s like he was a madman <laughs> absolute madman but he was great um Ken McCluskey, who was in the Bluebells. Wow. Aye. Mate, I was listening to the Bluebells <laughs> today. I listened to the Bluebells all the time, seriously. Ken's brilliant. Do you know what, so I've only just recently learned that they sang the Patriot game. Right, right. So for anybody who doesn't know, and before, because I'm going to say a buzzword that if, if you're not that way inclined, will maybe make you switch off or get annoyed. Just hold on and listen. It's a, an Irish rebel song, but it's a song that is traditionally, it's even been requested by... British Army soldiers because it's about somebody who takes up arms but he starts to think what is the fucking point Aye. what is the point but when I seen they sang that I, would, I swear I listened to it and I was like that sounds like the Bluebells brilliant um, not that I listen to Irish Rebel I, mean, I, I, I never knew done it never in my life um, but uh, Douglas McIntyre was in the dinner class as well uh, he was in Hipsway and stuff so oh, like, this is a fucking who's who like, I, like it was brilliant uh, there was a guy called Archie um, he was in a, a heavy metal band called Glasgow that if you'd liked heavy metal in the uh-huh. 80s you knew who Glasgow were so it was brilliant and everybody was engaged well I was engaged but by this time I was maybe 
20, 21. Mm-hmm. I'm still really young. But I was in a class full of folk who were just out of school, so maybe Aye. 16, 17. And that age gap isn't very much. But in maturity... It's enough. It's huge. Like, Aye. You're like this elder statesman in the class. Aye. Like, there was a, a guy in the class called Scott, who I still got me really well. He left to be in a boy band that he wouldn't like me talking about. No, he was a boy band. Uh, Scott, fuck you, we're talking about it. What's it's, it's a semicolon open bracket? That's what they were called. And semicolon open bracket. So it imagine a, like a aye, like a winking face. A winking, the face. winking emoji. Aye, that's what that's what it was. And, oh uh, no, that was ill advised. He later on went on to be one of the first managers of Lewis Capaldi. All right. Aye. Uh, What's his full name? Scott Kirkwood. Scott Kirkwood. Great guy. He works for a guy now called Aaron Smith. Right. Aaron's amazing. Go and check him out. Right. Uh, uh, you also check him out if you're listening. Exactly. Um, so Scott was in the class a guy called Alan Baird who now works for us at DF right. uh, brought into the company uh, so there's a few like great folk in that but a lot of idiots like a lot of folk and sorry if you're listening and you went to college for me but you're an idiot and hopefully you've grown up and learned your lesson alright I'm probably not speaking about you probably, probably somebody else nah, it's not you. <laughs> but I was, a, I was a swap like I was they, they would tell me like I feel like I can pure picture you like with half moon glasses and a pipe and all that in the class. <laughs> I'd, I'd have a pipe and all that kind of <laughs> But I'd, I'd go in and be like, oh, do an essay on this, read up on this, this, and this. You've got four weeks. I'd go to the library that day, do it in two yeah. hours, hand it in, and I'd get three weeks off uh-huh. of that class. And I loved it. I just took, it was like a sponge. I took everything in. We set up our own record label, and the record label for that course I'd already put it like they'd done Snow Patrol back in the day right. they'd done Bell and Sebastian's first album like so we're actually working with an actual record label and it was great absolutely loved it during that time I was putting my own gigs on and uh, Maggie Mays and East End uh, you can tell I'm not from Glasgow because that's that's, no, that's, 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 that's a tin that's a tin no, that's a tin that's a tin that's a tin is it east of the high street is that, aye, aye. Is that a divide aye well no it's actually west of the high street it's kind of bottom of the high street and right but right. we'll let you know because it's, it's on the the cusp of the gallery right. so we'll let you know uh, and one of my pals fellower uh, Big Barry Ferguson not that one <laughs> he's wee Barry I'd always noticed him firing at gigs so I says to him, I'm moving to Glasgow, any chance of a shift, handing us at flyers. So I've got a shout, handing out flyers at gigs. So if you ever went to a gig, I was the guy that gave you the King Tut's flyer. Right. Uh, every gig in Glasgow, you oh, King Tut's flyers, that was me. Um, done that for years, then become the kind of box office guy. So if you're collecting tickets at the door, that was me. If you're on the guest list, that was me. Is your mattress making noises it never used to? Or is it sagging, causing you to... Then it's time to get a new one. Get the best sleep at the best value with a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. I then got into the office to do this is the DF office because everything the flyer and stuff was for DF right I didn't know that at the time mm-hmm. I got into the office became the T-boy became like again 
weird circle of life like I was filing I was back doing files again <laughs> <laughs> doing all that so you went through all that just to be back filing again but I was filing stuff I loved <laughs> um, but even that like I was learning in the office so lucky that I was with like three of the biggest promoters in the UK like Dave McGeekin and Dave Corbett and, and Jeff and I was hearing them working all day every day. Jeff Ellis. Jeff Ellis, the, the boss. The main man. That's it. Their glorious leader. <laughs> uh, but I was like a wee sponge, and I, I don't know if I knew it then, but I, I was learning every single day. Mm-hmm. There was a girl, Jen Anderson, who her job was to book local band supports. And again, in the weird circle of life, she, the first gig she ever put on, was in Dollar Scout Hall. Just near you. Aye, it was my band when I was when no I was young. Way. Aye. Ah, no way. So she went to the posh school right. and wanted to hang out with some ruffians. Aye. So I booked her She'd band. She'd been listening to common <laughs> people, hadn't Aye, she? Totally. So I booked her band. So I knew Jen. So she got me in doing the filing and when she left to go to London and make her fortune, uh-huh. she said that I should take her job. So I became kind of a local band boy. At DF concerts and, and then that was my that was my dream job. What I've taken from that right is that <clears throat> you've I'll use me as a, a half example and then what I've taken for you. So I, when I left school, I was like, "What the fuck am I going to do?" Man, I didn't know really what I wanted to do, yeah. and I followed the path of eh, I'll go to college and I'll study journalism because. It's just what you do, the path of least resistance. I didn't want to deviate too much from normality. I hated it. It was just boring. Like, my pal, like, I made great pals there and they loved it because it it was for them. But for me, I was bored by it because I just wasn't stimulated and engaged by it. And I think I just kind of went from thing to thing, like, not really knowing who I was or what I was up to. And it's, were you saying that when you, you would get, like, an essay and you would have it done within a couple of hours because mm. you completely enjoyed it Aye. and it's and you were just loving everything even the stuff that you was quote unquote boring in terms of royalties and Aye. rights and all that kind of thing and then flyers, t-boy, filing you're buzzing to be learning about something and then talking about something that you're really genuinely passionate about and interested in and then even if it is making the tea you're like I'm delighted to be here this is class 100%. and it's an example to anybody that if you're really struggling, maybe to younger people who have just left school or getting exam results, maybe didn't go right or didn't go the way they wanted them to go, the best lesson here that I'm taking is do whatever it is you're interested in. Don't think about money. I don't think about... I always say to people read The Alchemist and that's a kind of a, a message that's put across in that. Like, Don't worry about the money. Worry about what you enjoy because if you're doing what you enjoy, the money will surely follow uh, and all that. I do it 100%. Aye, like, like I see a lot of folk... Obviously, I'm really lucky to get the job. There is there is 100% luck in there. Of course there is. Well, but I worked my fucking arse off. Ah, exactly. You've been lucky, but you've put yourself in those situations and then it's gone your way. I see a lot of folk who, coming up through, think that it should be handed to them in a plate. Aye. And I see that a lot in the new generation as well. And I don't know if it's because of my upbringing, where I came from, that... I don't think anyone's ever given a plate for me I've got to go there and get it mm-hmm. and I think that would be a, a big lesson if it, if you've not done well in your exams and school's not for you it's not the end of the world but the hard work starts like you, yeah. you apply yourself you live and breathe it like I, I've, I've got really good now but kind of work-life balance but the situation I'm in now is I'm doing tours from American Acts all over the world and mm-hmm. uh, 
for example, say I don't work with Rihanna, but say it's Rihanna, mm-hmm. and they're doing a world tour with Rihanna, and I miss an email, so I'm not going to wait. <laughs> like, aye, aye. I've got to be on that uh-huh. so if I take two weeks holiday I've still got to be on emails yeah. I've still got to be available on the phone yeah. I've still got to be not 100% working but and they're doing it and it's got to be a vacation you've got to throw yourself aye, in you've got to it. be loving it I suppose then throw yourself into it but if it's something that you enjoy it's not going to feel like work yeah. it's a very overused sort of cliched phrase in it like, do what you enjoy you'll never work a day in your life Aye. not entirely true because you will still have, to, still have to graft and all that but and, and it will be more pleasurable and enjoyable and there's also uh, sacrifices you've got to make like, yeah. there's definitely have relationships that have failed because of my job mm-hmm. 100% um, I'm lucky now the girlfriend that I've got uh, Louise she's amazing uh, shout out to Louise <laughs> she's great and totally understands uh-huh. which is amazing but there has been times in the past where people kind of get their heads around it. Even though I'm on holiday, I've got to be contactable and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think there's all, obviously loads of mental health issues and music and stuff. And I think that's where it comes from that people can't switch off or can't find that that thing. Yeah. Football's my thing. Aye. Football's my church. Like, Same. I can go to a game for two hours and nobody can phone me. I and love that. I love it. I love it. Celtic Park. All right, but it's depending on your persuasion. Um, I love it at the stadium. Yes, the signal's jammed. Aye. You can get Wi-Fi, but you Aye. get a text too. But you can be like, ah, can I get in through? Because the signal's jammed, and you just totally switch off. Totally get engrossed in it, don't you? Um, and everybody needs that in their life. Everybody needs that. Whether it's yoga, whether it's church, whether it's fishing, something. <laughs> you need Aye, something to switch off. Something to switch off. King Tut's where we're sitting. I'd like to talk about this place. What a gaff. It's brilliant. It's something I'd like to read it. Something that you wrote two years ago. Okay. 2017. <laughs> Headline. And I don't write, I'll say it and then I'll make a point. Go for it. Young Star sells out Tut's. This is written by you. I have to give a massive shout out to Lewis Capaldi, a young singer-songwriter from Bathgate who last week sold out King Tut's. As a promoter and a person who champions the best new talent in the world, selling out Tuts is a sign for me. It means Lewis is a real deal. A lot of acts take an allocation of tickets and sell them to the family and friends, and that's fantastic. It means there's massive potential there. But Lewis's tickets were sold in Ticketmaster, which means there are real fans who want to see him. Right, that's, that is really fucking... And then you've written it then, go and like him on Facebook and follow him on Twitter I don't think he has got a problem with that anymore but <laughs> he also had a meteoric rise right but right. two years ago that's, that's, that is amazing isn't it? and right. it's just a sign that everybody who, if, if somebody can play here and sell out here then they're on their way right to the top yeah 100% like um, my job now as a promoter in DF concerts is basically I'm a professional gambler uh-huh. so uh, pick a band that I've heard that I like and I'm like, I think you'll do well. I'm going to offer you this amount of money to play in Glasgow. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think we'll sell enough tickets to cover that. Yeah. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I'm constantly just checking playlists, and, uh, who's playing the radio, blogs, uh, getting tips of industry folk I know and just yeah. trying to find the next big thing. And I like... Louis, Louis managed it. Because I didn't want to purely labour the point with him because I love him, right? I think he's Aye. great. But I, don't, I also don't want to be the person that's like pure licking his boots. Because, <laughs> you know, like there's, a, there's plenty of that happening Aye. and I don't need to be contributing to that. But at the same time, you're like, well fucking done, mate. Like, you've done so, so, really, so really, really well. 
How I mean, how did you come across him? Did he says he's been playing since he was eleven. Hundred percent. Scott, who I mentioned before, uh, who I was at college with. That's about who you know. Nah, I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I'll do a lot of bands and acts that I don't personally see the the the, the appeal. The, the appeal, and it's not for me. Mm-hmm. But I can see why there is some like them. That will do them because. Uh, believe in the agent or I believe in the manager yeah. or I believe that they're going to go and do something later on yeah, yeah. that I think and Scott was one of them for me we worked together on an act in fact it's a really bad example because I believed in Chloe we worked together on a, uh, an act called Chloe who was amazing mm-hmm. she was great uh, she still is she's a songwriter now living in London she, nice. she didn't have you Chloe by the way I'd love to Chloe you're listening pal we'll be doing <laughs> London soon um, so she's a, a songwriter but she signed a big major deal Right. As Scott was manager, and Scott was the first young manager in Scotland that managed to do a major deal for an artist for years. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a few major deals before that, like Churches, uh, oh, amazing. Uh, Churches managers Campbell, who used to be an aerogram. Right. So Campbell's got more experience than Scott did then, mm-hmm. but Scott just kind of came to life with this this Aye. deal. And I worked done the live shows for Chloe in Glasgow and in Scotland. So because I'd done a good job on that, he said to me, I've got this new guy coming through called Lewis Capaldi. <laughs> um, and Lewis disappeared for a, a year or two and mm-hmm. wrote the songs, got everything right. I remember meeting him in Tuts, blowing uh, away to him, and he told me that um, he'd been at the Rainbow Rooms to get a haircut and all that, and uh, <laughs> he was getting his hair dyed, so he had the, the patch on his skin to make sure it was gone and all that, and even then his patter was absolutely amazing. He's funny. Like... Turning the most like normal story and at the hilarious like caper. He's, <laughs> a, he's, a, he's a capable storyteller, isn't he? Aye. Which is like a lot of Scottish people are. Do you know what? I, he gets asked a million questions. The guy gets interviewed a lot. Everybody wants a piece of him. Want to grab him? Somebody needs to just take him and Black Lewis come here and just wrap their arms around him and say, Lewis, what did she do to you <laughs> for you to write that album, son? Right. What did she do to you, Lewis? Come on. It's all right. Come here. Well, I listen to music for a living. Aye. And the thing I find about Lewis's music is that he's fearless. Like, there'll be so many songwriters who hide behind metaphors and all Mm -hmm. that. There's nothing to work out with his music. This is what happened. Aye. This is why I'm upset. (laughs) Aye. It's incredible. He's absolutely... He's great. Because a lot of times... Sometimes a wee bit of cynicism comes out of me, or a bit of scepticism, and I'm like, ah, they're all right, it's a bit of a bandwagon. I, he, for me, he's the real deal, like, he's, he's just bro. But his he's speaking voice and his singing voice don't match up. <laughs> they're like, they're two different people. Aye. It's, it's bizarre. Like, but fucking And it's even, like, to go and watch the show and stuff, like, it's... You're sitting there, he's pulling at your heartstrings with these incredibly emotive songs that are just... Like someone you loved, um, it's about obviously a girlfriend that left them, mm-hmm. or he left her, or whatever. But for me, it's about me and my dad. Like uh, I was getting loose to being someone you loved, and like I'm McDonald's Incredible. And then he'll tell a story about him shitting himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Like what? For me, the biggest mark of a song, like, lyrics are amazing and all that, but for me, it's the melody. Aye. And, like, he could he could replace the lyrics to that with something at the phone book, and I'd still listen to it. Aye, that's probably the biggest compliment I could give. Um, 
Oh, other other acts. What any acts that you want to talk about? There's two I want to talk about. Um, so just to give folk a flavour of who I work with now. Aye. Um, I work with years and years. Christine the Queens, Anne Marie. I love Anne Marie. Like she's one of my. Um, if you've not heard Anne Marie, you'll know her songs. Mm-hmm. She's one of those folk you'll, you'll check her out on Spotify. You'll be like, oh, that's her. She had Christmas number one with Clean Bandit at Rockabye a few years ago. But she's just an incredible role model for young girls. Mm-hmm. Like, she used to be a British Taekwondo champion. Oh, yeah. And then ended up getting a job singing for Rudimental. Fuck, shit. <laughs> Went a Rudimental. Class. Followed her dreams. How these things happen? Aye, totally. It's folks say put yes. Put on the right. I say aye. yes, put yourself on the right place. You work, work hard as fuck. Uh, I do Sagala. Uh, Bruce is great in Sagala. Like, there's... We got a lot of kind of dance acts that will come and uh, plug in a USB and DJ. Yeah. And if not against that, that's great. Like Calvin does it, and Calvin's one of the best live things you can ever see. That's Calvin Harris for you, yeah. non-showbiz presence. <laughs> <laughs> Calvin, it is. Adam, big up your pal Adam. Oh, aye, Adam, yes, that's what I meant. But Sagala will turn up full live band, guest singers, and like, it's in the show's Class. amazing. Love Sagala. Uh, yeah, and I work with, like, I do gigs from 100 Cap people that no one's ever heard of there's a band mm-hmm. now from Glasgow called One Nine who are coming up who are really good and I've doing obviously with Mr Capaldi I've got two sold out hydros and a P&G arena in Aberdeen so I do it all from 100 cap to 10,000 that's amazing being involved now with the hydro I am um, I missed out on tickets if only there was somebody I knew that could get me in the side door I'll, I'll speak to I'll speak to Lewis <laughs> if only there was like some guy I knew who knew it yeah. I'm 100% joking uh, three acts I want to talk about I, I, I'm honest people are fucking listening to this and going he's no joking I fucking was joking right I was only kidding uh, three acts Joseph how brilliant is Joseph I love Joseph um, it's Chris Beltran in my office that promotes Joseph so Aye. When I'm telling you, Jen left and gave me the job as local band yeah. guy. When I got the promotion to become uh, an actual promoter and not just local bands, yeah. it was Chris Beltran that I Thank you, man. became the if chosen you, one. If you're not heard Joseph, and it's spelled J-O-E-S-E-F, you can get him on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, everywhere. Uh, listen to Limbo and listen to Loverboy. Um, the biggest compliment I can give to to him and to the next two people I'll speak about is their music is like a, a regular daily fixture in what I'm listening to they're so fantastic Dylan John Thomas love Dylan top man isn't he I've got to go for a piss so. oh there you go <laughs> it's for a piss right. pause it right, well, I'm going to need to edit that do you know what edit this out do you know what no I'm keeping that in oh, no. I'll pause it though Dylan John Thomas let's talk about him Dylan's great um, I remember Dylan doing support slots here years ago there was one I had to shout at him because I caught him doing a piss at the back in Tuts when really? like, I would never behave that like, way he could have just came through that door and went in there uh-huh. <laughs> like, Ash he's a rock star rock star he's <laughs> breaking the rules but he's proper matured uh, he's proper I, I didn't come to the show in Tuts mm-hmm. but oh it was insane like he used to be a bit rough around the edges but I've heard he's proper diamond now aye that's we, we used to call him a rough, a rough diamond aye that's the thing I mean when you're when you're so raw and it's come it, you know he's before becoming more refined not you want him to be fully refined but you know what I mean but it's the 10,000 hours like I, 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 you know, he, sp- he spoke about it actually uh, in the interview I had 10,000 hours and uh, he was absolutely brilliant my mate Liam Tate he said um, 
he was saying he turned around and he's like I think we are watching history and Aye. as cheesy as it might sound on the surface I know what he means because we talk about so he would go and see Jerry Cinnamon playing wee pubs in Aberdeen and he said oh I feel like I'm watching history as if the way that you look back and people go Oasis played King Tuts and then they signed in this very dressing room that we're in uh, so I knew exactly what he meant and I totally agreed he, he's so brilliant and somebody else who's, who doesn't get anywhere near enough credit but she will is Rianne Downey as well Aye. utterly see listen to her like I'm pure screwing my face up and all that in a good way like listen to her was just fucking unbelievable <laughs> that lassie can sing no, and not only can she sing an amazing songwriter performer guitar like I just can't speak highly enough of the two of them separately there are these amazing entities with their music uh, and, and together when they perform it's just fucking something else man. No, so like we Chris Looms in our office who's the new kind of local guy uh-huh. who raves about her oh so like, amazing and I had a night out in London me, me Dylan, Rianne and my good mate Gordon uh, Smart and we just had such a good time and the thing about the three of them but Rhiannon and Dylan is are so fucking down to earth hmm. I was charging about the smoking area grabbing people like, <laughs> do you know who these people, who these two are and they're all shy and embarrassed I'm like these will be the biggest fucking names in British music I'm telling you I'm like listen to me or don't that'll be right either way whether you listen to me uh, it's such an exciting place for, for you said earlier music and football Glasgow Aye, that's, I love it like if, if I was to be a a millionaire I would buy a house in Glasgow Barcelona and LA I'd, I'd still live here I'd, I'd still do this job you like, just have my place in Barcelona if I'm not there class. so I'd get you a list of the tickets you give me a flat sorted mate can, <laughs> consider it a, a done deal like imagine Mcgriff and Louise watching this being like yes go on Greg <laughs> get that flat <laughs> <laughs> fucking right uh, would you ever do you ever see yourself going to London or would you, would you want to stay in the focus in, in Glasgow I am I'm Glaswegian I, I, I'm Glaswegian follower but I I, I, there's a few fucking offers like Dave McGeekin and Dave Corbett who promote all over the UK mm-hmm. and that's brilliant at the level that they work at so like uh, Dave McGeekin Geech he promotes the killers so I know what it's just, just a couple of small acts yeah, right? so it's like I know, I know what arena to put the killers in in Birmingham because it's the killers but yeah. if I was working at a small band I, I don't know where to break a band in Nottingham or Birmingham like it's just uh-huh. that's Aye. not my area of expertise and there's people there who do it well and there's no way I could just go and pretend to do that because you've you've got to do what you know and if there's faking it until you're making it and then there's fucking it right up eh? what do you think what makes King Touch so special like why is it such an iconic place does it just happen over time by accident I think it's the team here really really care about music mm-hmm. there's a lot of places a lot of great venues that they do venue they're a music venue but they're also a nightclub yeah they're also a bar like this is a music venue and that's it ah it's a music like, venue you can get a drink but it's aye, for music totally like, you've got regulars that come in every so often mm-hmm. and it's a chameleon kind of venue I call it so it works and I've got pop acts on and Bishop Briggs in here and she is like really cool authentic pop music but it's mm-hmm. pop music and it was amazing uh, I've had metal bands in here and it works well you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's, it's not just a, an indie guitar venue that works for everything whereas I, there's other venues that are just for this just for that uh-huh. just for this aye, aye, aye chameleon that's a very good way to look at it aye and another thing transmit we were talking about it earlier aye. we were having lunch aye how do you think that went loved it like the weather was amazing the acts were amazing and the people were great like th- those there's an appetite for live music in Glasgow that 
doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. That like, I never knew this until I started speaking to people who aren't from here. Aye. That I can have five shows on on a Tuesday night and they'll still do okay. Mm-hmm. Where there's people in huge cities in the world, like um, my friend Barnaby who promotes in Barcelona. He was like, "There's there's no way we could do that in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, it's there's not that appetite." And whereas here in a city like an eighth of the size maybe population wise Popu- uh, population wise it is about a quarter a quarter one, maybe one fifth aye and, and we can do it here so. and because of that there's this genuine affinity for like music so when mm-hmm. people are saying this is the best show of the two we love playing Glasgow they actually mean it because I was one of those guys that were like whatever mate aye like right. then they come off stage and they tell us it and like so that's started because of Teen Park and Transmit because uh-huh. these kids have seen their idols on stage when they're young so now watching you on YouTube and listening to Spotify isn't enough They've, mm-hmm. you've got to go and see it live and that's a great thing to have uh, in this city in you, this country you said that you feel that the Glaswegian people and even further afield have taken real ownership or they've taken the the festival to their hearts and you yeah. kind of demonstrated that by saying people were bitching about the lineup. I, now if they weren't bitching about the lineup, then it means they don't really give a shit exactly it's brilliant like I, I love it because like I feel sorry for a marketing team the marketing team do a great job they post it on Facebook and all that but they must pull their hair out at some yeah, of the comments people replying on Twitter and all that right? it's, it's brilliant to see like people being genuinely angry that they've not booked an act that they want because, <laughs> and it's like this is my festival I, <laughs> I, was, I was saying that um it doesn't like you could you could put name music on it would still sell out because it's a chance for everybody to get Stephen I think oh, I wish that was the case <laughs> <laughs> what do you, is it, I mean it's it's going to be coming back every year isn't it? Aye, 100% what about the team in the park was that just was because I thought team in the park was already dead so see when like was it your man Jeff was in the press saying a press release just so you know Tina Park's never coming back Aye. to me that's like getting a press release saying oh by the way Michael Jackson's dead it's like <laughs> fucking, we, we fucking know like, we've known for years but thanks for telling us what was the reason for confirming that I don't know uh, be back PR maybe above my pay grade, pay grade I think eh? the big man does what he wants Aye. Aye. Uh, and I have no idea like, I love Tina Park Tina Park made me who I am mm-hmm. uh, we used to run a bus from uh, Telecutri a few boys in the- We'd run buses to like room at the top. I was a trans head back in the day. We, we, we must have been a big church, been there. Eh? No, we're not <laughs> at all. I don't think keep going. Um, I was a trans head back in the day. I've got a room at the top. See Mario Picotto and Paul Van Dyke and all that. So we'd also run buses to Teen Park. We'd get like a thirty seater for Telecutri mm. in Clamanagher, and with thirty us on it, and we no realise that we're all taking tents and cases of beer and all this. So we'd be in this bus, like, <laughs> and, like, things on our heads and everything. Like it was mad. But I couldn't understand how folk could drink at Tina Park because you had to stand in a queue for a, a token to get a beer and then stand in a queue for the beer. And whereas I had a list of bands to go and see, I've got to see that band there, that band there, that band there. So it made me who I was and I, I loved it. Like it, And then mm-hmm. to be part of the team that put it on for me was just it was my dream, my absolute fucking dream. I loved it. That's, that's funny. Like, even now, though, because I, I get that, you're such a music fan and so am I, but also. If it was see if it was pure sunny, somebody could be like, I'd be in the queue and they'd go, No, Liam are on stage and they're about to play three songs and that's it. They're like, hey, just let me get my pint, John, then I'll <laughs> and I'll come and like, oh then. But no, you're obviously a, a massive music fan. Uh, t- I, I imagine there, there may be, let me not be, 
but I imagine there may be people listening who will be in that position the, that you once found yourself in at some stage. Mm. I say somebody's leaving school and they're, uh, you know, your mum's raging, your mum's telling you you're, you're not fucking going to Magaluf with <laughs> your pals, that's it, because you're, you're meant to be going on your six-year holiday, but you know, you've made an arse of your exams. I mean, what are you saying to that person, or what are you saying to yourself, if you could say, speak to yourself a way back then? I think I've done it right, I think. Obviously, I've done it right for me. When I say that, I've done it right for me. It's, mm-hmm. it's not right for everybody. But if I'd stayed at school, I'd have fucked it mm-hmm. even more. If I had went into electronic engineering, I'd hated it and grew up and you know, enjoying life and stuff. And I'd, I went down the correct paths, but I worked my fucking arse off. Mm-hmm. And I sacrificed loads to get to where I am. Aye. I was a ruthless cunt like, at some point mm-hmm. in my life. But... Are you like executing people? Uh, no, I can speak about. <laughs> <laughs> but well, no, like I, I genuinely sabotage relationships because of it, uh-huh. and like, and that's not a healthy thing to do, Aye. especially for the people that's affecting them actions and stuff. And but I see that now looking back, single-minded, um, you want to get to where you want to get to. Aye, totally. Um, but the main message is don't be a dick. Yeah? Sorry, just a quick interruption to say that for the next forty seconds. You're going to hear a bit of a scratching noise. Absolutely stumped as to where it came from. So, sorry about that, but just giving you the heads up. Say yes and don't be a dick. Ah, oh, by the way, that's great advice. I've heard so many people on this show, people on other shows saying it. Don't be a dick. Be nice to people. Say yes to opportunities. Trust your intuition. Trust your instinct. For me, going to Barcelona with 200 quid to my name. Yeah. It probably wasn't the best idea, but I felt it was right, and I went, and this fucking, it's turned out no bad for me. Enjoy yourself as well, man. Like, the be-all and end-all of life is to work and accrue wealth and accrue money, you know, and gain money. Because I used to think, if I'm not earning a lot of money, I'm a failure. But I've been pretty happy for the majority of time, even when I've had, you know, I've had, like, I have had less than zero money, and I've been really, really happy. And I think if I was to die, and somebody's like, well, how did you get on in life? I'm not going to turn around and go, well, do you know what? I was really happy all the time, but I didn't have that much money for like the first few years of my adult life, so therefore, uh, I suppose I failed. Like, nah, you fucking, you won. Totally. And be nice to the folk. And if you are successful, don't be a dick. That's what I'm saying. Don't be a dick. Nice. But be nice to the folk that help you get there because Absolutely. one day you'll not be in that position and you'll need the folk again. Uh, and everyone has their ups and downs. Be nice to everybody because you'll need them to be nice to you at some point. If you're not nice to people, then we will smash you. <laughs> and on that note, don't worry about it. Just be happy. Cheers. I'm free to be whatever I, whatever I choose, and I'll sing the.